Parsha Vayechi is the final Parsha in the book of Bereshis, in the book of Genesis. When we conclude the Parsha, we recite Chazak, Chazak, Venes Chazik, to be strong, to be strong, and to be strengthened. In other words, the message of Vayechi is a message that gives us encouragement, motivation, and strength. What is the lesson of the Parsha? To understand this, I'm shocked that Emes Drusoit Chsidis on five levels. The portion of Ayechi, the final portion of Bereshis, is unique in respect to the fact that it begins with a closed paragraph. In other words, every parish in the Torah starts and begins a new paragraph. Usually, there's a separation of nine letters or more between the previous parsha and the new parsha. However, the parsha of Vayechi is is called a closed parsha, for there is no space (coughs) between the previous parsha (coughs) and the parsha of Vayechi. And the question is why? Why is the portion of Vayechi called a stuma? Why is it a closed portion? Rashi tells us, now the reason why it's closed is for two reasons. Number one, the fee, because Shekivan Shenifter Yaakov Avinu, because Yaakov dies in this parsha, is Nistemu Eneim Belibam Shayisrael Mitzaras Hashibut. The eyes and the hearts of the Jewish people became closed because of the tsaris, the pain and the suffering of the bondage of Egypt. And that is why the portion is a closed portion. Another reason why it's closed, says Rashi, Shebikesh legalois es haketz, Yaakov wanted to reveal the end of time when Mashiach was going to come. However, it became concealed. Vinistam mimenu, the date disappeared from his mind. And therefore, just like that date became closed, so too the parish is closed. Now, there's a famous teaching here in the Bereshus Rabbah and also in the Talmud, that at that time, Yaakov suspected that his children, perhaps, were not God-fearing. He says, perhaps there's amongst you a non-believer, an infidel. And that's why I cannot reveal to you the secret of the end of time, of the coming of Mashiach, known as the Kets, the end of our exile. And they responded to him, No, Daddy. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu, Hashem Echad. That's what they said. Here our father Israel, Yaakov was called Israel. Hashem Elekeinu. God is our Lord just like He is your Lord. Hashem Echad. Hashem is truly one. We don't believe in idolatry. We don't, we don't serve any other gods. We only have one God. And Yaakov responds, Baruch Shem Kavod Ved. May the name of his glorious kingdom be forever and ever. So this is the reason why it is closed. Number one, because the eyes and the hearts of Israel became closed because of the future bondage. And number two, because the date became closed, became concealed. This is Pshat. What is Remez? What is the hint? 
of why this portion is a closed portion, says the Medrish, a very beautiful pshat, which is the opposite. It's contrary to Rashi's pshat. Says the Medrish, and that moment, all of the problems of the world became concealed. In other words, it ended. Up until then, Yaakov lived a very challenging life, a very difficult life, a life of tremendous stress and heartbreak, knowing the fact that his son was lost and his daughter was raped, and he lived in a home for 20 years of love on who was a swindler every day, stole money from him and lied to him. Then he met up with his brother Esau and he wrestled the angel. He was living a life of challenges and difficulties, stress, anxiety, disappointment. And finally, the last 17 years of his life, he comes down to Egypt. And there, Vayechi, those last 17 years of his life, he lived the best years of his life. In Egypt, away from Israel. And that is the gematria of 17, means toiv, which is good. Like this month, we find ourselves, the month of Tavis, the month that is good. It's the month that the body derives pleasure from the body. That's what it's called in Kabbalah. That the physical body, which is of the individual, and God, the spiritual body, connect in this month. We become one. So, the rem is, the hint over here is that Yaakov Avinu at that moment the last 17 years of his life lived the best years of his life and therefore his entire life up until then became closed. All the problems he forgot about. It was no longer in his reality. It was no longer in his world. And more than that not only those 17 years were good the commentaries say that it transformed all the 130 years up until then. That when he looked back, he said, wow, my life was great. These 17 years were so good that it made everything else good too. So a person is never supposed to give up on his life. Say, oh, I have a terrible life. Things will never get better. On the contrary, look at this. Yaakov Avinu for 130 years lived a life that was miserable. And the last 17 years, God gifted him with good years. So good that all his previous years were also good. And this is chazak, chazak v'nes chazik. This is the blessing. This is the encouragement. This is what the Torah says, you have to strengthen yourself to believe that tomorrow will be better than today. And to pray for this, and to believe in this. And that the Torah now gives us a blessing. That it's a closed parasha to close off the previous chapters, to close off the misery and the pain and the suffering of the past, and to look towards the future, for a better life, a happier life, and the ultimate joy, and the ultimate pleasure, and the ultimate oinig with the coming of Mashiach. So this is the hint. It's a closed parsha. We got to close all those pain and suffering that is behind us. And we have to look and believe and trust that there's going to be a much brighter and better future. The Remez. What is Drush? The homiletics. It seems to be a contradiction here in Rashi. Rashi says at the beginning of the Parsha, why is this Parsha closed? Because the eyes and the heart 
of Israel became closed because of the bondage. But in truth, the bondage did not take place yet. It took place many years later. It was after the entire tribes of Israel, all 12 children of Yaakov died, including Yosef, only then does it say, Vayokam Melech a new king arose who forgot Joseph, who did not know Joseph. So, why is it when Yaakov dies, says Rashi here, that now the eyes and the hearts of Israel became closed because of the bondage? That took place much later, next parsha, Shemos, the next book. Not this book, not the book of Bereshus. Here, it's great, it's glory. The living in Goshen, a phenomenal place. And furthermore, why does it mean the eyes became closed? When a person suffers, it's in his heart, not in his eyes. He should have said that the hearts of Israel became closed because of suffering. When you, when you have a life of stress and anxiety, close your heart to be indifferent, not to feel the pain. But why the eyes? And again, Rashi tells us in the portion of Ada in the book of Exodus, chapter number 6, verse number 16, that as long as one of the tribes of Israel were alive, there was no bondage upon the people of Israel. So why all of a sudden here, at the beginning of the portion of Ayechi, even before Jacob dies, already the Torah says it's a closed portion because the hearts of Israel and the eyes of Israel were closed. And here we see a very powerful thing, a very important lesson. And that is... You believe what you see. And you see what you believe. In other words, there was no problem. There was no bondage. But they began to see the future. They began to analyze and overanalyze the situation and anticipate the bondage. What happened? Number one is Jacob dies. And because Jacob died, things did change. For example, Joseph would invite the entire family every night for dinner in the palace. Why? Because Jacob was alive. He wanted to honor his father. So he invited his father for dinner. Dad, come over. We're having steak tonight. And he invited the brothers too. And, and that way, the father saw the unity amongst the family. Jacob dies. Joseph is a very, very busy man. He is the most powerful person in the world. I guess he had a few emails he had to answer, you know. He had to respond to a few texts throughout the day. He was busy. There was problems, there was famines, there was wars throughout the entire world. And Joseph had a lot of responsibility. He stopped and ceased to invite his brothers each night for dinner. So they became upset. Maybe you're angry at us. So they began to anticipate. Maybe he's going to take revenge. Maybe he's going to cause us all this pain and suffering that we caused him. So it was their eyes that began to see a reality that never existed. Furthermore, when Jacob came down to Egypt, a big miracle happened. He blessed Pharaoh. What was this blessing? It was a double blessing. Number one, by blessing Pharaoh, the famine ceased. Even though there was supposed to be seven years of famine, 
And Pharaoh had a dream with the fat cows and the skinny cows, etc., etc. And Joseph interpreted the dream to mean seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. But in truth, after two years of famine, when Jacob came down to Egypt, the famine stopped. That was the blessing that Jacob brought. It says, Tzadik Goizer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mekayim. Tzadik decrees, God listens to the decree of the Tzadik. So that was the first blessing he gave. He gave Pharaoh. Then he gave a second blessing to Pharaoh. The second blessing to Pharaoh was that when Pharaoh walked to the Nile, the Nile would rise and it would irrigate the entire land of Egypt. In Egypt, there was no rain. So they needed to irrigate their fields through, through the Nile. So normally they had to take buckets and schlep it to their field. But now, Jacob gave Pharaoh a blessing. That when Pharaoh would walk to the Nile, the waters would rise and irrigate the entire land of Egypt. So you can imagine, Egypt knew this, and they see the children of Jacob, they give them respect. Uh Your father, because of your father, we have all of this plenty. Now, that's when, when Yaakov is alive. When he dies, yeah, I knew your father, he was a nice guy, but he's not around today. I don't really owe you anything anymore. So there was a change in attitude. There was a change in perception of the relationship between the tribes and Joseph, the relationship between the tribes and the Egyptian people. So already in their minds, they felt insignificant. And that impacted already their hearts. And that's why it's so important when you look at the world and you see the world. You have to see the truth. You have to see godliness. You have to see reality. Don't create all of these misconceptions. And don't overanalyze. So this is what happened over here. This is the drush. This is the homiletics of what Rashi tells us. That their eyes caused them to falter. And therefore already in their hearts they felt this level of bondage. Though the bondage did not yet befall the Jewish people. That's the meaning to see good in others. To trachkut, the zaingot, think positive, it will be positive. This is the lesson according to Drush of homiletics. What does Soid, what does the esoteric tell us? The esoteric says, Vayichi Yaakov, Yaakov lived. The question is, what do you mean he lived? In this week's parasha he dies. Why does the parasha say, Vayichi Yaakov, and Yaakov lived? when the entire parasha talks about the preparation for his passing. And the Talmud tells us a very powerful thing. Yaakov, Vinu, Yaakov, our forefather, Loi Mace never died. Says the Gemara, how could it be he never died? He was embalmed, he was eulogized, he was buried. Says the Gemara, a lesson for all generations. If his children are alive, he too is alive. It's interesting to note that in the book of Micha it says, Titain emes liyakov, God gave truth to Jacob. The quality of truth, the quality of emes, which in Kabbalah represents the central beam, the central panel, and the central column, which is called teferes, which is beauty, which is also the meaning of emes. This is the attribute of Yaakov. 
Now, the words Emes Liyakov, truth to Jacob, are the same letters as Yaakov Lomes. Yaakov never died. Emes, truth, is something that is eternal. And that is why the actual word for Emes is Aleph Mem Tuf. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mem is the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Tuf is the final letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Something which is true needs to be true from the beginning to the middle to the end. I always joke and say you can't be half pregnant. You either are pregnant or you're not pregnant. You can't give a half a truth. It is either true or false. It's either good or bad. MS. MS is eternal. God is eternal. And therefore God is eternal life. One who connects to God is truly alive forever. This is the Soid Vayechi Yaakov. His children went in his ways. And therefore he continues to live on through his children. What does Chassidus say? First and foremost, we need to understand the title of the parsha. It's called Vayechi Yaakov lived. In this same parsha, Yaakov died. Number two, the brothers tell Joseph that perhaps now that our father is dead, you want to take revenge. And in truth, the relationship between Yosef and his brothers were somewhat severed. And because of this severing, it brought about the ultimate exile. What is the message here for all of us? The parasha is called Vayechi Yaakov, Yaakov lived. Why? Because eternal life means that there is no interruption. Eternal life means that there is no pause. But rather, it is continuous. That is life. Life is MS, is truth. How is it possible that a human being should have true life, eternal life, if that individual only lives 80 years, 100 years, 120 years, etc., etc.? And the answer is, the only way one can have true life is by connecting oneself with God. You today are alive because you are cleaving to Almighty God. Furthermore, true life is not when things are great and things are perfect and when life is perfect and you have roses every morning cut, fresh roses on your table. When life is hunky-dory, as they say. That is not real life. Life is even when you have challenges. And yet, you overcome these challenges, then you know you are alive. And that is the message of the Parsha. That here, Yaakov Inu is in the land of Egypt, which had tremendous, tremendous amount of temptation and challenges. For any Jew, especially one on the level of Yaakov, a holy Jew, who was immersed in the study of Torah and service of God, and now to leave the land of Egypt, go down to the land of Israel, and to go down into the land of Egypt, the most promiscuous of all the lands of the world, and yet maintain his integrity, maintain his holiness, 
maintain his frumkeit, and not only he, but Zarei Bechayim, his children, all 12 tribes, and his grandchildren that were born in the land of Egypt, to walk around with a yarmulke, and tzitzis, and payas, and to keep Shabbos, and eat kosher, and not eat the non-kosher hot dogs on Coney Island, but to make sure that, that you hold on to, to your integrity, that is Chayim, that is true life. And that is why, specifically in this parsha, the parsha of Aichi, where Yaakov Avinu dies, but you see the continuity of his family, does the Torah save Aichi Yaakov? And Yaakov is truly alive. But how does one have true life in this world and the hereafter? The answer is by living a life of Yaakov. What does Yaakov represent? We know Abraham represents charity. Yitzchak represents prayer. Yaakov represents the study of Torah. When a person studies Torah daily, every day, regardless of the challenges of business and health, and all of the, the mischief and confusion of the world around us, and you maintain that continuity and that commitment to the study of Torah on a day-to-day basis, this brings peace and tranquility into your life. This brings Chaim into your life. And that is why Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, before he went down to Egypt, what did he do? He sent Judah ahead of him to establish a yeshiva. That's what he did. You would think he would be worried about his money, about his cattle, where he's going to live. No, the first thing he did when he knew he was going down to Egypt was he said, Judah, you go ahead of me. And you establish a yeshiva, a synagogue, a place where every day we can come together as a family and learn and study Torah. That will maintain our integrity. That will maintain our individuality. That will maintain our Judaism. And that will continue Jewish continuity for all generations to come. But when it comes to the study of Torah, there needs to be a connection between Joseph and the tribes. There was a major difference in philosophy between the tribes and Joseph. The tribes primarily were shepherds because they lived a life of seclusion, a life of meditation. They would go out into the field, let the sheep roam, and then sit and meditate on the greatness of God. And that's a beautiful lifestyle and a holy lifestyle but it's not the ultimate lifestyle Joseph on the other hand was the king of Egypt the viceroy of Egypt on one hand he was Yosef HaTzadik he was Joseph the righteous he did not forget his study of Torah that he studied with his father and he maintained every day three prayers a day and every day he maintained his routine in Torah study but at the same time He was part of the rest of the world. And he influenced the rest of the world. He influenced the entire Egypt to follow the seven Noachide laws. As it says, he circumcised all the males in Egypt, all the men in Egypt. Because Joseph realized that his position was not only to be the viceroy by providing food at a time of famine, but also to provide spiritual food. To bring ethics and values and the knowledge of God to the nations of the world. And that is why the 
problems began when there was a separation between these two paths. That the tribes thought, we're going to remain secluded. We will be isolated. We will live in Goshen and we will study our Torah. We will become more spiritual, but we're not going to influence the rest of the world. On the contrary, there needs to be the connection between Joseph and the tribes. When there's a severing that we forget our mission as Joseph, that we need to influence the rest of the world, then that is the beginning of exile. Because then there's a separation between holiness and the profane, between light and darkness, between good and evil. So Yaakov, not only Joseph, but Yaakov, the father of Joseph, when he came down to Egypt, made sure to teach these seven Noahide laws to Pharaoh and to the neighbors. This answers a very interesting question. Before Yaakov dies, what does he do? He calls in his son Joseph and says, promise me you're going to take me up to the land of Israel and bury me in the Marat HaMachpelah and Hebron together with my father and my grandfather. Why was he in a rush? Why was he in such a rush to be buried in the land of Israel? He could have stayed in Egypt and he would have gone up later when the Jews left together with Joseph and all the tribes that were taken out of Egypt when the Jews left Egypt and then he would have been buried in the land of Israel. There are many answers to the question but one answer is he was concerned that they would make him into an idol, into a deity. Comes the question, why do we care what they're going to make him into? He has to worry that the Egyptians won't make him into a deity. But the answer is exactly that. He was a teacher. And he was teaching the seven Noahide laws to the entire Egypt. And that is, you are not allowed to bow down to an idol. You have to believe only in Hashem Echad, only in one God. And therefore he did not want to be there and cause them to have this obstacle to serve him as a God. So here we have the parasha of Aichi. Aichi on one hand talks about the death of Yaakov. On the other hand it's called Aichi, the life, the eternal life of Yaakov. For Yaakov never dies. If his children continue to go on in the ways of Torah and Mitzvahs, in the ways of his father Jacob, then Jacob lives on through his children. And this is true for all of us. By influencing students and children to go in the ways of God, we live on through them. We live eternal life. Our life is endless, is true. And that's why I tell parents all the time, you are always the mother and you're always the father. Yes, your child now is a big lawyer, he's a big doctor, he's a brilliant scientist, he's putting men on the moon, all these wonderful things. But you are still his mother, and you are still his father, and you are still his teacher. And therefore, we have an obligation to inspire and to teach. Yes, when they were younger, perhaps, we didn't give them a lollipop if they misbehaved. Today, okay, there are other ways of influencing our children. But the responsibility of a parent is eternal. It's forever, for all generations, for children and grandchildren, for all generations to come. When my great-grandfather passed away, Zaydi Shia Lehecht, 
The Lubavitcher Rebbe went to be Menachem Avel to pay a shiva call to my great-grandmother and to be Menachem Avel, all the children, which means my grandfather and his brothers. When the Rebbe came and he first spoke to the, the sons, he said after that, Vu is the Almana, where is the widow? Now, my grandmother was a very, very holy lady. She never wanted to look at the Rebbe. She said, how can my human eyes look on such a holy tzaddik? That's what she said. That's what she said. But the Rebbe said, I want to see her. And he approached my grandmother, my great-grandmother, Babi Suchi. And he said to her, you should know, your husband is alive. Now, they're sitting shiva for her husband, my great-grandfather, and here the Rebbe says, you should know, your husband leapt, he's alive. And he said, you know why? Because you have six sons, all rabbis. That's why your husband is alive. In other words, when the Gemara says, Yaakov, Avinu, Loimeis, Yaakov, our forefather never died. Because your children are alive. So too, the parent is alive. It doesn't simply mean that you have children. Physical, biological children. It means that you have children who are going in the ways of God. Who are studying Torah, performing mitzvahs. And then, Yaakov, Avinu, Loimeis, Jacob, our father, never dies. And this is truly Vayichi. This is truly the strength. This is truly the motivation that Torah tells us. Number one, to close the past chapter of pain and suffering. To look forward only for a life of joy and bliss and happiness. And to believe and to see it with your eyes. Already, this tremendous blessing that God has in store for all of us. And number two, to have eternal life. Every day, eternal life means by connecting ourselves with eternal life which is Almighty God, by studying Torah, by inspiring our children to go in the ways of God. And don't give up. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your children. And we hope and pray that we will see the resurrection of the dead, will stand before us together with all those that were lost in the previous generations. And that will be the ultimate chazak, chazak, the ultimate motivation, the ultimate strength. The kami of Mashiach, the meira b'meinu amin.